Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 12, 2015, and today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 83, starting for context, paragraph 1. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Charles H., the 12 Traditions, Nancy S., Reading the Text, Carol G., Chelsea H., and Larry K. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, May 11, 2015, is 7632. 7632. Away Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Charles H. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Melanie. It's Charles H. from New York. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Okay, good morning. Um, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these specks of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made to recommend such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge for his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other to alcoholics or compulsive reasons and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Charles H. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Melanie. Um, can you hear me okay? I can, loud and clear. Good morning. Thank you. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's except the speakers should be muted at all times. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 83, starting with paragraph 1 for context, and then focusing our shares on the second paragraph. And I will ask Carol G. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Carol G. Recovered one day at a time living in England. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behaviour will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a sceptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases. But we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. 
Carol, do you mind if I would have you just, just back up a bit and start with the first paragraph, reading with, yes, there's a long period, and then focusing your, your share on the second paragraph, which starts with the spiritual life and then ends with a skeptic out of anyone? I beg your pardon. Yes, I can do that. Thank you. Would you thank you. Thank you so much for backing up. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful thing won't fit the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyse the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticise them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness and love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly about matters. They will change in time. Our behaviour will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a sceptic out of anyone. Yeah, um, thank you. It's Carol Recovered uh, in England. I apologise for the mistake. And it's interesting how um, life is because... It's very impromptu, isn't it? Life, anything can happen and you just have to get on with the show. And, you know, the things that I was really, really listening to when I was reading out there was the fact that we have to live this. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday about living the spiritual, uh, the principles in all our life. Um, and actually the spiritual principles begin to get established and they certainly did for me when I got to step nine. Because... This is where I begin to act in a completely different way. And people around me are now beginning to see a different person demonstrating a brand new way of living. And, and I think that's, for me, what's really made a difference in my OA meetings. I attract people because I'm actually living a spiritual life and I'm acting very differently. And it kind of begins here in step nine for me. So it was, someone first said to me when I first came, came to the program we have to relate to recover and I thought what does that mean I don't know how to relate to people I'm trapped in this bubble I'm trapped in the disease of compulsive overeating I can't stop I can't even com consider thinking about what you need to do and actually when I got to this part of the program I noticed when I look back that in this process I'd been asked to change my behavior over and over again particularly when I got to step nine I'd begun to pay back money I'd begun to change my manner. My manner was now humble, not scraping. I'd begin to consider people far than I considered them before. I'd made sure I wasn't doing harm to anyone when I approached them. Um, I included God at every single juncture. I was always turning to prayer. I'd made so many different changes in my family dynamic. We'd got the common welfare of our, and the unity of our life basically back on track and we've got this period of reconstruction and we get to the world in the eye and its people. Um, it was one thing to look the world in the eye and then it was another thing to look at its people in the eye and this was where I was now regaining some kind of confidence in myself that, you know, by using this program and working these tools on a day-to-day -day basis, I was then in contact with a power so powerful I was able to get through my day without even thinking about picking up food. So I don't try to talk incessantly. 
that's the thing for me. If I talk incessantly to people in my household about the program and about spiritual nature, I can see them turn off and find it very repetitive and they're not very interested. So I've had learned to compartmentalize it. And if it's necessary and I have to share it with somebody else, I do that. But I think that a lot of people that know me have become quite skeptical about how I was. Um, but the demonstrations that I'm making today, the strides that I'm making today, and the changes that I've made today, is speaking far louder than my words. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carol. Uh, before I invite folks to share, I just wanted to encourage everyone to um, see that we'll be focusing our shares and ex up experience on the second paragraph today. It starts with the spiritual life is not a theory and ends with skeptic out of anyone as we begin this morning. Who would like to share on that paragraph today? Madam. Yes. Reva Kim. I have here Matt and I hear Reva and I hear Kim. Larry. Hi, Larry. I have you too. Anyone else before I close? Okay, we'll go with that. I hear, go with this in line, this direction. Matt M, Reba P, Kim G, and Larry K. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Thank you. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M from New Jersey on the East Coast, close over here. Yeah, I like this paragraph, you know. it. I, I used to think that I would have to become some kind of saint. Um, but when when I used to see that line, I was, I was so misguided when I read when I first read this big book. Um, even recently, like I thought that I had to become some kind of like um, person that I would lose I would lose myself completely and be a totally um, unrecognizable person to myself. And uh, that's not what this is about. It's just about cleaning up my side of the street because there's a lot of wreckage in my past and um, with people in general. Um, I heard someone share yesterday that you know. People, there was they had ten years of of showing someone one behavior, and then we had four years of the new behavior, and so the person expect still expected the 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 drama from that person. I have I'm 34 years old now. I have so many years of bad behavior with the family members I have left, and the friend and some friends who I've known for three or four years, and um, my behaviors have started to change, but not completely changed yet. And um, I, have, I had a family member recently in, in the car. I asked him for a favor. He was driving me to visit a family member who was very ill. And I asked, I said, you know what? I'm doing much better. I'm going to ask him. And whatever, if it's no, it's no. And I asked him a favor, and he just basically does, did his behavior, which really irritates me. And, and I slipped a little bit. Like, I, I got angry with him. And then I thought to myself, do I want to be right or do I want to have peace? I just apologized right away for uh, getting upset with him, I said, listen, thank you very much for just bringing me to where you're bringing me. I didn't realize you were so upset. We would be that upset by me asking you something. Because I really, I, I did not want to be right I, for some reason. I could have sat there stewing, forming a new, brand new resentment, which I, which I would have eaten over eventually. But I realized, you know what, um, He, this person does not have my program of action. They don't have my ability to catch themselves and to and and to be able to um try to make yourself better, and so I just had I said a prayer and I said you know what just apologize and get it. You don't want the whole day to be ruined over this small argument that happened. That's a different Matt. This is somebody that I don't even recognize, but you know it's still me. I want to be a much better version of myself. I don't want to be the person who's always constantly um is right and has to be get the last word. That was my biggest thing. I always had to get the last word in with the arguments. 
Like, I, I had to get you. I had to find some way to get over on you. And you know what? I'm starting to change in time. My behavior, I realized that it's only been a short time that my behavior has started to change. So it's going to be a long time for the people in my life, my friends and family included, that they see the difference, the difference in me. Some of them have already seen it. They've seen changes in me. But they're a little wary and skeptical. I, I would be the same way. So I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I have to let them be who they are and let myself be who I am. And I'm grateful today that I can see these changes. And I'm grateful today that I'm able to willing, have the willingness to not always be right. And that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. Rita P. Hi. Good morning. Good, good morning. This is Reva P., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto. I have to smile to myself when I read some of the words in this paragraph about theories and talking incessantly. So what this paragraph reminds me that after many years of abstinence, um, I can still live in my head and think um, way too much. And I cannot think myself into changing because step nine is about change um, and changing my behaviors. So this paragraph reminds me that instead of living in my head, I live in the real world where I need to take action and practice um, changing my behavior. So I need to live it, not think about it. Um, It also reminds me that the analysis, oh, I used to analyze the food and I used to analyze myself and life and everybody else. It's a very practical program take the action um, and consult with my higher power, my sponsor, and my support group. So uh, last week I had a bit of a run-in with my 19-year-old son, and I was very tempted to talk incessantly um, and try to tell him how much I've changed, and therefore shouldn't he change too. And now I can laugh about it. Um, But again, this reminds me that I cannot change other people, but I need to be a power of example. And when my behavior starts changing and when people see through my demonstration and my actions, my behavior changing, they will change um, without any pushing, without any forcefulness, um, without any lectures, talks, theories, um, and incessant um, discussions. So um, my actions speak more than my words, and um, I need to remember that. It's a program of into action, which is what the chapter says, not into thinking. Um, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. Kim G., you're next. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The spiritual life is a theory is not a theory. We have to live it. You know, so we're coming up to the end of step nine, and we're going to start learning 10, 11, and 12, which is where we're going to live. We're going to live in there. You know, I've been in OA for it'll be 21 years in June. I lived in the fellowship for 17 years, and now for four and a half years, I've been a student and recovered in the big book. And let me tell you, there's a big difference between the two. You know, I'm just going to read from page 11 where Bill talks about something, because it really mirrors my, my personal experience in a way. On the top of 11, to, he's talking about Christ, but I'm going to use Overeaters Anonymous. To Overeaters Anonymous, I conceded the certainty of a great program, not too closely followed by those who claimed it. The moral teaching most excellent, but for myself, 
I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. So I really treated the steps as if they were a theory. You know, my experience is I only read these, these books when I was in a meeting. You know, I belong to a big book meeting now almost the entire time I've been in OA, and we used to only read the back of the book. We read the stories because they were funny and we could talk about it. We never read the directions. And once again, my personal experience in the fellowship is we have a recovery rate of less than 3%, 4% if we're lucky. But my experience as a student of the big book, when I'm actively engaged with people who actively work this, store, this book, there's a recovery rate of 100%. Those who actively engage in these steps and make it a way of living, they live these steps and make it, take it from a theory to a way of living, there's a 100% recovery rate. And when I talk to people who've been, even, who've been through the big book, they've walked through these steps, they've had a spiritual awakening, both people I, I haven't worked with and people I work with, and then they pick up. And we go back and we look at what happens. The good news is it was obvious in most cases that they got disengaged from step 10. They got disengaged from step 11. And more specifically, they got disengaged from step 12. Because life became so wonderful filled with this, this life that God has given us, they don't have time to work with people. They don't have time for a step 11 practice. And if things are going their way, why do step 10? And that's good news. Because that means that if we stay actively engaged with this process, we can stay recovered. And this is the irony. This is the paradox in my life today. I am equally convinced of two things. I am equally convinced that I am experiencing permanent recovery as long as I stay actively engaged in 10, 11, and 12. I am also equally convinced that if I make the decision to disengage from these steps, not make it a way of living, make it back to a theory, I will probably be in the food three or four days from now. And it seems weird that I'm equally convinced of both, but that is very true for me. And why is that? Because the spiritual life is not a theory. I have to live it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry Kay, you're next. Melanie, thanks so much. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, one thing that I, that I, uh, that this, when I read the bottom of this paragraph, um, the second paragraph, um, we remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic, skeptic out of anyone. Um, yeah, I, I was drunk a lot longer than 10 or 20 years uh, in my lifetime. I'm of that age where uh, it was more than 10 or 20 years. You know, the thing is, I, I spent many more years conditioning my family and friends to walk on eggshells when they were around me than, you know, I've conditioned them now to the peaceful predictability of my my behavior as a recovered person. So naturally, some people, it's going to, you know, there's a long period of reconstruction. In some cases, it's still it's still reconstructing. You know, and my experience is that, you know, once we, um, we first uh, begin to change, just in the beginning, because I began to change, I believe, when I first got to the rooms of OA. You know, um, why was that? One, I put the food down, mostly, uh, you know. Um, I learned a few new concepts of living from this book and, and other books. You know, I, I heard some cool way, cool things that people said. Um, you know, things like, I mean, there's lots of them that we hear, right? Ego deflation and God-centered consciousness and all those things. 
but I didn't know how to apply those things. So the thing about it is, is that's okay. I mean, uh, we, we have to remember, because I, I wanted, as soon as I put the food down, just for a, a few days, I wanted to go out. I wanted people, don't you, don't you see that I've changed? You know, I mean, crazy, right? Insanity. Uh, no, Larry, you, you really haven't changed <laughs> because it, it, it's still kind of, we, never, we don't know what we're going to get with you, you know. Um, and, and now, um, after time, you know, when, when God did this for me, because I sure as heck didn't do this for myself. I tried to do a lot of things for myself before but I, I, I just had the utter inability to do them for myself. But when God did this for me, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, allowed me to come through this process, because I never stuck with anything. And he allowed me to come through this process and complete it. And then the change, other people began to see a change in me before I ever saw it in myself. And after, after a number of years, you know, even the closest people, that the ones that really knew, you know, about how to walk around eggshells with me and the unpredictability, they even began to see a change. Because once you've changed, you've changed. Now, yes, we do have to live in steps 10, 11, and 12, absolutely. And yes, I am human. Yes, indeed I am. But a change is a change. When God changes you, it's not hocus pocus. He changes you. When God removed the obsession from me, my experience is he removed it. And yes, I have certain obligations to continue on this path one day at a time. But uh, no expectations that uh, people are going to see, you know, and, and uh, give you a trophy because you put some food down and, and, and for, the, you know, an hour or two, you're, 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 you're swell. You know, you're real nice. That's not how this works. It's, uh, it's a daily progressive process of, of your higher power taking you through this and, uh, and you having a vital transformational experience. And thank God I did. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else want to comment on this paragraph this morning, paragraph two? Renata. Sally. Hi, hi, Renata. Hi, Sally. I have Melissa you, too. Melissa Oh? Amy E. Hang on just one second. I wanted to make sure I caught those. Um, did I hear Vasa? Yes. And Alita? Yes. And then did I hear someone by the name of Amy? Yes, Amy E. Great. Okay, great, Amy E. Thank you. Let's go with those. Melissa C. Okay, hi, Melissa. I caught you just in the in the midst of moving around there. Okay, I have this order. Renata G, Sally A, Vasa O, Alita P, Amy E, and Melissa C. Good morning, Renata. You want to start us out? Sure. Hi, Melanie. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. You know, and what it says to me is, you know, am I living the principles of this program every day in my life? You know, am I being, you know, honest? You know, am I, like, am I practicing all the things that I've learned so far through this, you know, program of action, through this self-test? You know, so if I am, that means that I am honest, that I am hopeful, that I'm faithful, that I have courage, that I have integrity, that, you know, I am willing, that I have humility, that I can practice love for others, that I am a, that I'm just, 
you know, I do justice today. I go back and repair and make amends whenever I need to make amends. You know, I persevere in my step 10. Uh, you know, I continue to do the work every day to keep my uh, spiritual condition. Um, I practice the spiritual contact with my higher power, and, you know, I do service, right? I do for others. And if I am practicing these principles, then, yes, I'm a completely different person than I used to be before because I was just the opposite of all of that, you know, complete um, immersed in self-centeredness. And so, you know, I would always be dishonest because I needed to take advantage of things and everything and everyone. And, you know, my behaviors would, you know, would go accordingly. And, you know, it says here that um, we should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters through changing time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. And, you know, like the best thing I can do for someone else that is in this disease or does not have the spiritual principles in their life is to recover, you know, recover and make sure that I am speaking to the principles, that I am tracking the steps every day in my life. And my actions, my way of living will speak louder than a thousand words. You know, if I can talk all I want, but if I go ahead and, you know, take actions that say the opposite, my actions will always convince people more than, than any words I can say. Um, that's all I want to share. Thank you. Thank you, Renata G. Sally A., you're next. Sally A., press star one. Okay, I thought I was muted. I was waiting to hear you say that in case I wasn't. Good morning <laughs> again. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Abishas, to you. I'm Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. And so this paragraph reminds us of a very important tradition that we have in our program. It's Tradition 11, that we are a program of attraction, not promotion. And this this is interesting to me that these traditions, more and more I realize that these traditions are a way of living, that we can embrace them, that they're not just for the community because they were they were created for the community of the program, but these are principles that we can live by. And so when it tells us in Tradition 11 that we are a program of attraction, not promotion, they're telling us don't be so quick to use your words because here's where it says, first of all, it says we have to live it. And, of course, those words are italicized. And we know they spent more money for the italicized words. So they chose those words very carefully. Okay, you guys, let's italicize this because this is really important. We have to live it. Not we have to become great orators. We have to become great communicators. No, we have to live it. And it goes on to say unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. That's just not our job. That's God's job. It's not my job to tell them, hey, let's all do what I'm doing. No, that's just not going to fly. We should not talk incessantly to them. Oh, because we do get so zealous and so excited because, gee whiz, 
when you've been sick a really long time, you do get excited. You want to tell everybody what's happened to you, especially when you meet people that you know are suffering like you. You want to tell them, especially about the spiritual aspect, the spiritual matters. And it says they will change in time. They can't help it because, you see, birds of a feather flock together. And I've noticed with my own children that when my kids hang around with rough kids because their mothers, the rough kids' mom, what my kids with their kids because they figure my kids will have an effect on their kids. Well, it's a great idea, but the sad part is my kids are affected by the rough kids. And it's just that's just nature. We affect each other. And that's what they're telling us about spiritual matters. They will change in time. They can't help it because they're hanging around with us, and they will learn from us even as we will learn from them. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. Yes, we've heard it said over and over this morning, actions speak louder than words. And also, Tradition 11, we are a program of attraction, not promotion. And I want to say, as a Christian, I've heard this expression used many times, and it's very true in all of my life settings. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. It's the same idea. I can tell people about my program, but you know, in truth, they want to know. When I tell them I lost 80 to 90 pounds in the last three years, less than three years, they're dying to know, how did you do it? That's a big question in everybody's mind. How did you do it? It's a program of attraction, not promotion. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Vasa O, you're next. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and good morning, everybody. And I'm, I'm Vasa O, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Massachusetts. And it is a program of attraction, not promotion. And I remember at the beginning when I came to you know, my, over, my meeting, my first meeting, and hearing the good news and, you know, and becoming abstinent, I was just so excited. I just wanted to tell, I wanted to get up on the roof of my house and just tell everybody about the good news, the good news that I had found. And yes, I did try to bring a couple of my brothers in. They did come, you know, and it wasn't for them. They said, I'm just to the extreme, you know. Well, anyways, you know, I, I had to learn to, you know, just keep it to myself and, you know, and I can be a power of example, you know. And some people say, wow, I, why are you still going there? You've been thin for years. They don't understand my disease, and I don't have to explain to everybody. Um, but anyways, um, the minute I came to my first meeting, I became a student. I, I, was, I, was, I, I was taught how to surrender to God and put the foot in God's hands. And gradually, very, very gradually, to start putting my life and to my life, turning my life and my will to the care of God. And I thank God I started with the big book. I learned about the disease. I didn't know I had a disease. I just knew I could not stop eating. I didn't know they called it eating disorder. I didn't know they called it compulsive eating. I did not know. I thought you know, I remember reading a Dear Abby years before that. I thought I needed to be obese, like over 50 or 60 or 70 pounds, 
I remember reading something in her column, and I remember saying, oh, I'm not, I'm not them, you know. Well, it didn't take too long to get to that point. And I learned about, in the reading the big book, I learned about the allergy. I learned about the mental obsession. And, and, but I still struggled coming fourth step. You know, I still struggled with, the, with the worries, anxieties, resentments, fears, envy. Uh, but I started experiencing as I was going through the steps less of those behaviors, the inside, the turmoil, I was struggling with anxieties. And uh, I'm just so grateful I keep on going, you know. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not healed, you know. We are going to step 10, 11, and 12. It's, uh, you know, this is a process I've been doing for many, many years, and I will still continue doing it. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Bafta O. Alika P, you're next. Alita P, are you there? Press star one. Perhaps we'll catch up with Alita. Amy E, can you step in? Yes, I can. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, fellow visionaries. Amy E. in Ohio, abstinent, grateful, recovering through the big book. Um, A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. It reminds me of what um, it means to make amends. It's not just apologizing. It's actually mending our behavior. And we are reminded, oh, let me see if I can find it, that um, when we're turning our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand him, um, that there are many character defects of ours, certainly of mine, that I cannot will away. I can wish them to be removed deeply and sincerely, but I cannot will them away. I have to have God's help. And uh, it's a reminder to me to constantly be in conscious contact with my higher power throughout the day, working 10, 11, and 12. I've been actively trying to do this with the help of my new sponsor to catch myself when I am um, distraught or emotionally disturbed or upset and to immediately do a 10th step on it and contact her and release, release it and then ask God to remove my fear, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, and then, as the big book says, resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help, uh, making an outreach call or calling a newcomer or getting onto a meeting and sharing. Um, It's tough work because I find myself, especially with my husband, in 10 steps all the time, constantly, constantly checking myself for my selfishness and self-centeredness, my fears, my dishonest behavior, my high expectations, my demand that he be somebody that he's not or to be like me and think like me and agree with me. I want my way. Um, But to live this, to live this is to set aside my little plans and designs and let God into my life. And um, uh, I am 
I am working on it. I am working on it. And I have to remember, too, you know, um, I love this line. I take great solace in this line that they will change in time. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Um, I've been in 12-step recovery for 30 years. Um, I've been married for going on 15 years. But it's only in the past couple of months that I've really been actively working this um, this 10th step, this big book recovery program. I'm, I'm very familiar with the steps and I've gone through four and five and have made amends, but um, this is a new level of uh, uh, awakening for me um, through A Vision for You and through the work that I'm doing with my new sponsor. And so um, the fact that things are still out of kilter from time to time is just evidence, to, you know, I just have to put more faith that as I continue to change and live my life according to spiritual principles on a more deeper level, that um, my family life will change too. And I put my faith and trust in God that this will happen. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amy E. Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, my... My actions, not my words, and um, I'm I'm feeling uncomfortable this morning because my words got the better of me, and um, you know, it's sometimes it's very hard for me to model what I want to see and not lecture what I want to see, and um, you know, my family has um, seen me somewhat recovered for, you know. Nearly five years, um, really the last year and a half of like a real clean recovery, but five years of moving in this direction. And, you know, balanced by an 18 years of marriage of not seeing that. And, um, you know, this morning um, I my son's lunch was on the counter, and I haven't been making it. My husband's been making it. And I had a fit when I saw what was inside of it. That, to me, it was filled with junk, and, um, you know, and, and my words got the better of me. I, I had a little tantrum, and, you know, um, I have to remind myself that some of it, I'm fearful of my children's future. I feel like maybe they're genetically predisposed, but, you know, on the other hand, I have to know that I'm, I'm actually grateful that I had this disease, that I have this disease, because it, it really has brought me to know my my God, my higher power, and so I don't know why I'm so terrified of my children having this experience, and I guess I'm so scared of them struggling with obesity, um, but, you know, I grew up in a house with a lot of nutritional knowledge, and that didn't save me, so um, I know that I have to show more patience, more loving kindness. My tongue was definitely not my friend this morning. Um, I did make I did make an amend before I left the house, but um, you know, but a sorry isn't enough. I have to I have to not behave that way tomorrow. And if I really feel like I have more knowledge about what's nutritionally sound, then perhaps I have to take on that job or 
um, towards maybe keep my mouth closed more. And, um, you know, I'm imperfect, um, but I'm willing to grow along spiritual lines. And I'm grateful today because I'm not holding on to the notion of how right I am. If I were to analyze what was in the lunchbox, I could get a lot of positive um, feedback from everybody telling me how right I was to be so harsh this morning. But that's not really what this is about. I'm not looking to be right. Um, I'm looking to be connected to my higher power. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And I wanted to just um, invite Alita P. Hey, Naomi, it's Naomi. One more time. Hang on just one second, uh, Naomi, and you betcha. Alita P., are you there? Alita P. Okay, I think we're going to pass in for now. I do have Naomi P. You betcha, Charles. You betcha. Janice M.? Leia. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? Phoebe? I can, Naomi. Hang on just one second. And I have Naomi B., Charles H., Janice M., and Leah M., and I believe that's going to take us out to the end. If not, Phoebe will catch you, but we might not be able to. Good morning, Naomi. You can go. Thanks. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service, and good morning, my fellow visionaries. Well, we have to live it. And then coming down a little bit, our behavior will will convince them more than our words. I just recently had the opportunity of reuniting with an old friend. This was my binging buddy. We used to go to the pay and wait type of thing, get weighed, and then go to a buffet somewhere. And we were just recently united, and we just spent some time together. And then all of a sudden, this past Saturday, she shows up at my LA meeting. And it was like, wow! And I was excited for her, and, you know, the meeting went on. And then when we left, I said to her, this is so nice seeing you here. She said, you know, when we were sitting and talking, she said, other than the visual change that has taken place in me, she said, I have seen a real change in you. She said, I can't put my finger on it, but you've changed. And she said, I want what you have. Well, needless to say, this brought me to tears because I had been working this program faithfully. And I give God all the glory because what I can do on my own is get fat, and that's not the case today. But it's living this program, one, just for today, coming to meetings, listening to Vision every morning. And thank you for being there, and thank you, Bill Wilson, for being an alcoholic. With that, I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. Charles H. Good morning. Um, thank you, Melanie C. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie C. For your continued service, and thank you all my visionary brothers and sisters. My name is Charles H. A recovered visionary. I'm calling from Yonkers, New York, um, and I thank everybody on the line. First, first, they will ask me why I'm doing it. Then, you know, after a while, after the lip service and all that, after I stop the lip service, they'll 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 ask me how 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 are you doing it? All right, give you an example. I went to a you know before I say that, you know um, there's a solution, right? Ain't it funny? And we agnostics. Ain't it funny how page 25 at the bottom, page 27 at the bottom, say you know go to the back of the book. 
But then 47, and we agnostics, begs you to go on the back in the appendix. There's two different definitions of appendix, but this one is go to the back of the book and read spiritual experiences. You know, we have, it's not a theory. we got to live it. Um, so I went to this AA meeting yesterday, my home group, that one of the groups that saved my life from, you know, I'm a, I'm a quadruple winner, and it saved my life from certain things that I could get to this place to save my life, really save my life. Anyway, so I seen a guy um, that we, I remember we used to walk to the meetings together like eight years previously. We both were counting days, and, like, he seen me, and he's like, wow. And, and I'm not saying that for the, you know what? The big book says, don't be, don't be a killjoy, man. Don't be a killjoy. It's just that self-righteous, God, I pray that you remove that self-righteous spirit from my life because it's cancer. It's cancer. So anyway, the guy asked me for my number. He asked me how much time I got. I said, that's not important. I'm living spiritually just, just for today. And I said, I wasn't with no long talking. I wasn't with no lip service. I wasn't with no give me a vada boy. I wasn't with none of that. I was, I was, I was paying homage to the place that helped save my life, helped put my life back together. This is not a theory. I have to live this, right? And he asked my number. I gave it to him. And you know, you know what it is. He, you know, he asked my number. He knows I can get him a job. And I'm like, your job is to stay. Your job is to get recovered. That's what I told him. I said, your job is to get recovered. And everything else may come back to you or may not. But the thing is, you have an opportunity. You ain't seeing clear right now. Ain't it funny if I close my eyes and shut my mouth, I'll see more than I ever see with my eyes open and my mouth open. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles H. Janice M., you're next. Want to press star one? Yes, this is Janice. I have to live it, even when my husband comes in and interrupts me. This is what it is. <laughs> Good morning. I am Janice. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, you know, I have to live it. What does that mean, I have to live it? <laughs> well, I have to live it today. You know, I can know all the principles and the readings and what spiritual life is, but it's an ongoing process. It's willing it's willingness on my part to practice the principles. I mean, first of all, I have to know what the principles are. And uh, certainly um, I lived opposite of all the principles of the steps. I was very dishonest, okay? And today I tried to be truthful by not being a people pleaser, okay? And that's what I do for today, just today, because I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but today I'm going to do it. Um, and I was always hopeless. Now, there's something going on with my, with, with my medical life, and um, I have to practice this even more. It's harder, you know, because faith, we can have all the faith in the world, but without works, it's dead. So I have to have faith that my reliance on me does not work. I have to go on blind faith that the re results today will be up to my higher power not me, because I'd have myself already dead. You know, when you get a diagnosis, you're already going to die and this sort of thing. So I'm going to practice each one of these principles today. I'm not going to be afraid today because I have a God in my life, a higher power. Um, and he's the one that's going to give me courage. And whatever happens, happens. 
you know, because I didn't have any power before. I still don't have any power. <laughs> I have uh, certain powers to do, but God is is in charge of my results, of the results. And I have the willingness today. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to just sit down and die and brood and be self-pity and all that. And uh, because I had so much pride before and arrogance um, that I knew what was going to happen. So, you know, I have to practice these principles, these acts, today when it's the hardest. It's easy to practice them when everything's going good. I know. I can tell you it's not what you do, what you say, but what you do. Well, I have to do the same thing, and I have to show others that, yeah, this is going on in my life, but this is my pattern for today. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Leah M., you're next. Thanks so much, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The spiritual life is not a theory. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. You know, of course, uh, Sunday was Mother's Day, and, uh, you know, I was blessed with numerous cards and lovely things were said, you know, uh, by my kids and my husband. But one thing I really, you know, took notice of, one, one of my teenage girls, she's just turned 16, she wrote, among the other things that she wrote, she wrote, thank you for always being in a great mood. You're always wonderful to come home to. And, you know, I had to think about that. I, I chuckled because, you know, before recovery, uh, it was an emotional roller coaster ride, <laughs> you know, with me. Um, you know, buckle up because you never know what's happening. You know, at, at 10 a.m., I could uh, be on top of the world, and by 3 p.m., I was a prey to misery and depression. And, you know, did I mention that uh, I was prone to rage? In fact, so much so that I clearly recall at the age of 12 after uh, giving a good swift kick to my beloved uh, little puppy um, that I would never be able to have kids. I said that to myself, Leah, you, you can't have children because look how you're treating your dog. So, you know, this is not a juicy novel that we pick up in the bestseller section of your local Barnes & Noble when we meet here at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. This is how are we living? You know, it's wonderful to come on the line and we love each other and give each other wonderful strokes for a couple hours. But when, when I hang up the phone, how am I living? You know, this big book is an owner's manual. <laughs> it's talking about me. How do I handle me? Do I press into these steps? Not how I handle you, not how do I, you know, control you, not how do I dominate you. How do I live here? Because just because we get abstinent and recovered through this process of recovery, life doesn't stop happening. Life still goes on. My parents are aging. People die. There are relationships, uh, you know, that have ended. Businesses can fail and, you know, have uh, very stressful uh, intervals. People get sick. But life goes on. The reality is when I hang up the phone here, can I speak to my husband respectfully despite the stresses in the background? Do I make amends quickly when I uh, misstep? You know, this is not a theory or a philosophy here. This is how am I living? Because 
you know, uh, love and hate can't exist on the same plane. One's going to be predominant. Can I align myself with these steps, with these principles, what, what the book is trying to guide me so that I can treat the people in my life with patience, with tolerance, with kindliness, with love? Because today my life flourishes, but I still encounter the speed bumps. But, you know, through the program of recovery, we come to a place of awareness, of constant action in 10, 11, and 12, and service that allows us to have a meaningful experience with personal freedom, great excitement, and a real sense of value and authenticity, meaning, and purpose. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah. And that does take us to the close of this meeting. And Phoebe, I hope you can stay with us to share in the next hour, which is coming up, you know, just straight away after announcements here today. And thank you to everyone that shared. Um, I will ask those that remain here to please press star one on your phone keypad so that we can say the serenity prayer together. Wait a minute, I've gotten ahead of myself. Chelsea. Yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Right. I, had some go- I had some good sense there for a second. Thank you. That's cool. Please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to re- be suggestive only. Thank you. Okay, Chelsea, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.